All right. Three, two, one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What's happening? I just like the anticipation building for you for a second. I want to. Welcome, everyone, to a brand new show on the Multimedia Men Podcast Network. We are too legitimate. Yes, we are. I'm Brian Kluger, and I am joined by the host with the most, my Valentine Man of Love and Movies, Wade Davis, all the way from Seattle, Washington. Welcome, my little sweet Lipschen host. <laughs> The snowy Pacific Northwest right now. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Yeah. I it's know, great right? to actually be in here. I listen to you all the time, and it's one of those where I got so much to say. So now I get an opportunity to tell you what a nincompoop you're being to your face. I love every minute of it. I'm excited. I'm very excited about this, too. It is the Pacific Northwest snowy edition. Doesn't snow too much in no. uh, Seattle, but it is now. and It is, it is now. Yeah, and it's about to hit Dallas, Texas, uh, first time in decades where we're going to have a blizzard, snow, ice thing happening. Jesus, I don't know what's going on. You're going to get all hunkered down and just you have all your supplies and rations. You're ready to go. I've got all my shoes and I've got all my glasses and I'm going to hunker down. You have an abundance of water. You never know. Yeah, I know, right? So... Too legitimate. Wade and I go way back to the to the year two thousand. <laughs> uh, actually, maybe a little bit before that, maybe nineteen ninety nine. But uh, I met Wade in Kansas at the University of Kansas Rock Chalk Jayhawk Forever, and he was my RA. Um, so he's a little bit older, and maybe a little bit wiser, right? Do you remember the first time we met? I remember, this is embarrassing, because I, I remember that I was an RA, and part of the duties of an RA was giving tours to folks that were coming up and visiting, and I do remember you and your family coming and visiting and giving you a tour. I don't remember the details of the door, but I, I, tour, but I do remember, this is, this is an interesting character here. This kid has a lot of energy. <laughs> and I, I remember, I guess I'm, have I changed that much since then? Well, I mean, you've gotten much more distinguished and beautiful, but from the energy perspective, no, it's still the crazy nonsense that I remember back when you were like a 19 year old. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. And I, 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 it's not a compliment to be clear. That's not a compliment. You, I mean, it's been 20 years. You should be matured by now, but no, no, no. (laughs) I I like being a kid still. Uh, So I, vividly remember the first time I met Wade I think he had like one of those 7-Eleven big gulps behind the counter and he was wearing you know kind of a button-down Hawaiian shirt but it was open and he just had like a jolly smile on his face and he he was looking suave and dapper and that's kind of how he dressed through you know the one year that I was really with him it was always a Hawaiian shirt or like a fun movie shirt and then like so back in 2000 this is 21 years ago there were no there i mean there were a couple of flat screen tvs but it was kind of like the rear projection like bigger tube tv so 
the big thing at the time was the Sony Trinitrons. And then so in the dorm room where he was the RA, he had this like gigantic Trinitron uh, Sony TV. But then he had a couch and a futon and then his bed. But his couch and his futon were uh, stadium seating. And it was the coolest fucking thing ever and it's all downhill since there too my coolest period was when i was you know a, a, a senior in college as an ra in the dorm room that's the cool so that's a really a commentary on my life the coolest <laughs> he set up stadium seating for a 200 pound sony tv and yeah so it was very exciting he he peaked <laughs> he peaked then but I peaked way too soon went way too soon and you know from then on, I, th- I don't know how Wade and I connected so well. I think it was our love of like trauma and really yeah. shitty movies that we would at times watch back to back in the row the same movie just oh, yeah. to punish ourselves, I guess. <laughs> well, that, it, that's the thing. That's my claim to fame is I met Brian prior to this nutty DVD collection that evolved into a Blu-ray and so on and so forth. So I remember when he had hardly any uh videos and stuff like that and so and now his monster collection dwarfs you know he could put netflix to shame if he just got it all on a server so right right so no and then so since then wade and i just always kept in touch sometimes we lived in the same city sometimes we didn't but we always kept in touch and i think our bond and our friendship and our romantic love just grew sensuality (laughs) it's undeniable sensuality it, it is, it is. And so we just kind of kept in touch for not going on 21 years. And, you know, Wade's come to uh, film festivals with me. He's been a part of the Boomstick site uh, here and there, dropping his knowledge of film and television and life. And, and we are, we've been talking about doing a podcast for a long time. The last time Wade and I were kind of seen, uh, a little bit uh, on video was uh, Wade did the Death Nut version two challenge where, you know, you kind of, there's like the spicy chip challenge and, you know, the cinnamon challenge, but there's a spicy nut challenge and Wade did it. Like he full on, like didn't, he followed the rules. He didn't drink anything until you were supposed to, like he did it. Yeah, I mean, everybody, all the cool kids were doing the spicy chip challenge, and I was like, give me them nuts. <laughs> <laughs> give me that spicy. Yeah. Give me them hot nuts. Nut. <laughs> Thank you, Letter Kenny. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of uh, our origin story. I'm very happy we're finally doing this. Uh, it, 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 it took a pandemic and a an Arctic cold front to get us together <laughs> to do a podcast, but we're here, hey, right? you know, that's just fates bringing us together but no it's going to be exciting because like i said i'm a big fan of you and all the different sort of uh podcasts and video streams and all that stuff that you do but i find myself yelling at the tv all the all the time about your nonsense that you're spewing out so now to actually get to do it to your face in real time i'm loving every minute of that this is gonna be I, fun. I i look forward to it i cannot wait <laughs> Brian, you ignorant slut <laughs> that's good that is how it's gonna be uh so we we have a couple of really fun uh topics today for our first episode we're gonna talk about unorthodox valentine's movies we kind of have a classic rewind section uh we have our big issue coming up um but first since wade and i um partake in the uh, exquisite libations 
and drinky poos. Um, we, we wanted to do kind of like a video setup of making classic cocktails or beer or something like that. It's However, absolutely going to happen. It is going to happen. However, uh, we chose poorly or we planned poorly <laughs> um, and the snow and the ice. So we couldn't get our uh, cocktails in quite time. I believe time the lawyers call it force majeure. We had, a, yes. we had an act of God prevent us from drinking for you guys. You would have loved it. But it, we're, it would have been, don't worry. We'll, it will we'll do it later on and we'll have maybe a YouTube series on it. Uh, but our first Neither one... of us know how to make a drink for shit, by the way. I mean, we can't, I mean, I, you know, I, I can follow a recipe. We'll see how it goes. But ni- neither of us are professional bartenders or have any of that sort of experience. But, you know, I think we can make a mean cocktail. And if we can do it, Lord knows anybody else can. Yeah, yeah. Just two average schmoes making drinks in our best I ability too much credit to say an average schmo it's like slightly <laughs> below average but with a lot of good intentions maybe. yes a lot of good intentions so our our first drink we want to make for you well just talk to you about uh is in time our for first drink we want to describe to you yes describe to you in detail is an apricot toblerone cocktail <laughs> mm, that sounds delicious doesn't it yeah, let's hear what's in it. What is in an apricot Toblerone? Well, first of all, a Toblerone is a famous candy bar that was invented in Switzerland in 1908. Did you know that the Toblerone candy bar has been around that long? I, I had no idea. You know, I know the Swiss chocolate. That's a big deal. Right. But I had no idea that it's over 100 years old. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's like the famous candy bar that's shaped like a triangle. Um, It's made with milk, chocolate, nougat, almonds, and honey. Uh, And it's kind of been a staple for people who love chocolate and candy bars for a long time. And it's it's kind of like a high end. I feel like, you know, you have to be an aristocrat to... uh, Yeah, it's one of those where, you know, you got to... It feels a little fancy to get it. I know that, especially when I was younger, if somebody went to a duty-free shop, at the airport, bringing a Toblerone back was, you know, that was showing you really cared about somebody. I actually have a Toblerone fun fact, if you will. There's actually a proper way of breaking off those triangles that I didn't know about until relatively recently. Because most people, at least myself, when I would get a Toblerone, you know, you kind of just break it like that to have it off. But apparently, According to Toblerone, the proper way to break off one of those triangles is to press it together. So you press them in and then it pops off easier. So you know, all you so next time you see somebody just snapping a Toblerone in half, you really know that they're a cretin and you can correct them with your more sophisticated pinky out. Yes, of, yes. Right? Great, great fact. You're full of them. Knowledge. <laughs> so this, this Toblerone cocktail, this is not something you want to drink on a hot summer day, you know, to get drunk. You know, it, w- it would be a bad choice. <laughs> I mean, you can get drunk on anything if you care enough. But, I, but I, I mean, I'm guessing here where we're going is it's awful sweet. Is what it yeah, sounds. it's awful sweet. It's rich. It's creamy. It's nutty. It's decadent. It's delicious. It's delightful. And it's a dessert drink. You want to have this, you know, drink your dessert type of thing. So what is in an apricot Toblerone cocktail? Well, here's what you need. 
you're going to need to go out to your local liquor store. Is that what I said? Did I just your local liquor store and you're going to need to buy some Kahlua. Okay. Some Kahlua. You're going to need to buy some Frangelico. Yeah. You're going to need to buy some Bailey's. Yep. Hazelnut liqueur. You're going to need to buy some Bailey's Irish cream. All right. You're going to need to buy some heavy cream. Okay. Some honey syrup, mm-hmm. some chocolate syrup to rim the glass, to rim, yeah, the, rim the glass. Some chocolate rimming, huh? Okay. And then some Toblerone chocolate, freshly shaved. So just get that cheese grater and shave some of that Toblerone cocktail, some that Toblerone candy bar on top. And then as well, get some apricot schnapps or some apricots and, you know, kind of kind of squeeze the juice out with like a spoon or a mortal and a pestle. And then... You have your apricot Toblerone cocktail. And so here's uh, the actual um, measurements. Three-fourths of, three of an ounce of Kahlua, three-fourths of an ounce of Frangelico, three-fourths an ounce of Bailey Irish cream, one ounce of heavy cream, half an ounce of honey syrup, and then chocolate syrup to rim the glass, and then garnish that Toblerone chocolate fresh shaved, and then just get those apricots and do a half ounce of juice into it. Shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. And then, oh my goodness, you're going to be, you're, you're, you're going to have an intimate time with that special someone. With your lover. With your lover. What sort of, what sort of glass are we serving this in? Is this a martini glass? This is, um, it's kind of, this you can do it in a martini glass. I'm trying to remember. Um, it's kind of it almost has like a schooner shape to it, is what I'm seeing. Okay. But yes, like a uh, yes, 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 yes. All um, right, yeah. I think that putting it up in a martini again, if you're wanting to keep it classy, keep it Valentine's, like you know, something sensual for your lover, you know, make it a special occasion. I think a martini glass is a nice little shake up too. So, yeah, that sounds awesome. No, it, I mean, it sounds delicious. I mean, for people who don't like sweet drinks or, I mean, this is kind of like you're drinking a milkshake, well, you know, an alcoholic milkshake. You should you should highlight for everybody, though, we are not sponsored by any of these. We use some brand names there, you know, so Kahlua, whatever, you know, hey, you want to come knock on the door. But just so you know, if we're just going coffee liqueur, the one that I found right now that is the bomb is Mr. Black. So if you guys see some Mr. Black out there, for a coffee liqueur substitute, it's it's my go-to now. It is so awesome. Why is Mr. Black the go-to? Well, it's, it's, I'm glad you asked, right? So it's like, to me, um, it, it's much more small batch made. Um, they use like a really high quality coffee when they're making it. And it has like just a tinge of sweetness to it already. It's, it's I mean, a black Russian, a white Russian. I actually love to make tiki drinks. And there's a couple of really cool tiki drinks that have uh, coffee liqueur in them that we'll, I'm sure we'll get to at some point. And uh, uh, th- this this Mr. Black just works awesome in all of those. Hell, you could just take a drink of it straight, which I would never do with like a Kahlua or something like that. It's awesome. This apricot Toblerone cocktail really sounds like a tiki drink to me. It's getting there. It absolutely is getting there. I think that there's a couple elements that you kind of shift it around a little bit and do a couple different techniques different. But, uh, you know, because tiki, you know, we could get into that whole discussion another day about tiki versus boat drinks and stuff and kind of dessert cocktails. Tiki tends to be a little bit boozier, but there's absolutely, we could riff on that and turn that into something that's going to 
really just uh, yeah just 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 pour a, a pint of rum in it and we're good <laughs> i mean you're 90 percent there then, right <laughs> we're, we're, grate, grate some nutmeg pour a pint of booze in there and then you're ready to go over right rum, let's do it light it on fire no that, that sounds like a good time to me but yes apricot toblerone cocktail um we found this uh drink from one of our favorite shows letter kenny uh, especially in episode two of season one, the super soft birthday episode. Absolutely. Uh, so we thank you, Letter Kenny, Apricot Toblerone cocktail. It's a real drink and pretty fantastic. Um, if anybody does try it and make it, leave leave comment. Can we leave a comment? Is that how this works here? Comment down and say how it was. Yeah, yeah. Comment on. Let let us know. Email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com and please let us know. Maybe send us a video. Tag us in a video on Instagram on how your uh, drink went because we would uh, love to know that, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, we would. Um, so yeah, that's our drink session. What, what do you want to move on to next, Mr. Wade? We were having this debate the other day about... And it's kind of what's the inspiration for our backgrounds here about, you know, when a movie's rated R or rated PG-13, does that impact the the quality of the writing or the, the, the it, does it make a difference when we're talking about like a comedy and that kind of thing? You want to kind of highlight where that started? You want to? Yeah. So we were having a discussion. It was um, a debate. It was a heated, hot, hot it, debate. It, it was, it was a heated, hot, hotness debate. So we were talking about the upcoming new movie that's set to debut on Amazon Prime, Coming to America. So yeah. the Coming to America sequel. Uh, the, the first Coming to America, of course, with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones. Uh, came out in the 80s, directed by John Landis. Fantastic film, rated R, great. So all these years later, there's been talk about doing a sequel. They finally did one. Craig Brewer, director of uh, um, Black Snake Moan and Dolomite Is My Name and Hustle and Flow is directing it, got it together and brought back literally everybody uh, to make it. And then, you know, a few weeks ago, they were like, it is PG-13, which why i was really upset about this like i don't get why this would be pg-13 and so wade and i were discussing this and he seems to be all for it i'm very against it and so it just brought up this whole uh conversation or this heated debate uh are pg-13 movies versus rated r movies are they better are they worse should they be pg-13 if they were rated r before do you lose any value in it is, is that kind of the gist it kind of is. Here, let me kind of highlight where I was coming from on part of that discussion. And I think it'll kind of highlight where we're a little bit separate, right? right. So you're, I, the point I believe that you were making was that making something, make, you know, you, would, you have a baseline understanding of since the first movie was an R-rated movie and admittedly classic. I mean, funny on so many different levels. It, it's a great movie. But your point is, that the understanding should be that the sequel should be an R and then basically the fact that they made it a PG 13 movie um, to, in your opinion, means that they're likely cutting corners or dumbing it down or taming it in some way to where it won't be as funny or as good as the first one. 
Is that basically how you're kind of looking at it? Yeah, I think you're taking a lot away, especially with a movie like Coming to America. I think that I think it's a fair point, right? But my whole point was just saying potty words doesn't make something funny. And I think that sometimes lazy writing can kind of lean on that, right? Where you can just pop in some some shits and fucks and whatever. Well, I, 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 I guess I guess here we go. I'm dropping bombs all of a sudden. So, but the point being that. that shock value can sometimes say, oh, it makes people uncomfortable and kind of uncomfortable laugh and then I'm laughing and therefore it's funny, yada, yada, right? Where I, there are some excellent, like for example, there's some really, really bad comedians that just curse a lot and they get a lot of play, even though I would offer that they're not that funny. There's plenty of funny comedians that do curse a lot too, to be clear. But if folks can play clean, right? If you don't have to go blue, and you can still be funny, then I think that's even a higher level of comedy, right? And so to me, I think that I don't automatically discount the movie coming out as PG-13 because you got really talented filmmakers. You got really, I mean, it's Eddie Murphy. He's one of the, he's one of the goats, right? Right. So the thing is, I'm giving him credit right now as saying, hey, if he wants to make a PG-13 movie, I still believe that he can, he's a funny dude and he can make it funny. And Arsenio's funny. I mean, and so there's tons of, I, I still have a lot of hope right now. Now it could be a complete bomb, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So with, I, you know what? I, I tend to agree with you. I think if you can write without the language, uh, you know, you're, you're doing something right. You don't need it. However, with coming to America, so much of the comedy and so much of the, you know, the little skits had, you know, f- motherfucks and sure. fuck you and yeah. all of that stuff it's in it. And yeah, it's yeah. part of it. So I think with coming to America sequel being PG 13, I think it really is going to dumb down the comedy. Like and that won't be as good. I think that you you'll it'll be fo- a, a forced PG thirteen when they'll, you know, maybe, maybe I'm look, wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, but look, look, look. Right. The whole point of it was you had royalty. This guy that's grown up with a very sophisticated aristocratic background that's going into Queens, right? Which is you know pretty you know salt of the earth. I guess I'll put it nicely. But it was like you know. And, and and that cursing and like going to the barbershop and having all this motherfucker coming in, you know, that all was to highlight the fish out of water story, right? Right, Where, because Akeem does not curse at all, except but, for when he thinks fuck you too is um, a greeting or something. A greeting, yeah. And so, right. And so my whole point here is the way I understand the plot of this new movie, and I could be completely off because I'm trying to go in fresh. So I try not to look up too much about it but that they're flipping it and his son or whatever is coming to um zamunda Zamunda, right right so here in that setting if everything's going to be in the royal sort of setting then it makes a ton of sense that it would be an aristocratic less abrasive sort of cursing environment so i can understand because r doesn't mean zero cursing right it's just they have very very tight limits on that right i think right right so i believe pg-13 you can get away with one or two fucks i think it's one and then two or three shits 
However, the shit <laughs> has to be said in a certain kind of way. South yeah, Park not, did a not great talking about defecation, right? Right. Um, yes. So poop. Yes. <laughs> South Park did a great episode on this, by the way. Yeah. Um, so I think well, so from the trailers, it looks like Akeem and Semi go to the U.S. because we're seeing scenes in the trailers at the barbershop and then all the old characters. So I imagine these scenes might kind of be dumbed down. So I'm, I'm very curious on how they're going to do that. And you know, it, it might be amazing. I don't know. I want it to because I think Coming to America is legitimately, too legitimate, one of the funniest movies ever made. Like too still legitimate, to this day. Too Yes. So yeah, no, I, I agree. Right. I agree with what you're saying. And, and you could be right. Right. But my whole point is don't prejudge on it just because you see the PG 13 come out that it's automatically going to be dumbed down or shit, because it's like, again, uh, the other thing I, I, I highlight for you is this is coming out on Amazon prime, right? Like the argument that you make makes a ton of sense with a theatrical release, right? Because you can't sell tickets for an R-rated movie to unaccompanied minors and stuff like that, right? Where PG-13, you could. And I think that that's part of why they do that threshold is for revenue. But here, at least, I mean, I don't know how the new models they're setting up with this new environment are going to work exactly. But my assumption is that, you know, I that they're just paying for them. Like, it doesn't matter, like, viewership and clicks and all that stuff it won't be affected by an R versus a PG-13 in the same way. So I don't know if it really is related to cash. So I'm giving them the credit that maybe this is more of an artistic decision. I mean, it might be, but I could also see that they're trying to get the most plays and maybe the most purchases at some point since it's being on Amazon sure. uh, for money-wise. because if it's well, Or resell R- it to like TV. Right, right. Because, yeah. I mean, I imagine if it's going to be on Amazon Prime, but at some point people might want to buy it, you know, physically, or I don't know how they're going to do it, but I would imagine that way. But to get more, you know, views, PG-13 is like, you know, it would be the right decision. However, past few years, there have been rated R movies that have made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. So I'm I'm just curious, which kind of brings us to you know, let's go down a list of examples of something like that. So my, my argument to Wade was, let's say you take the movie Deadpool yep. and then their third movie is just going to be PG-13. I do. And so, and this is a harder one. Um, <laughs> this is more difficult one to talk about because Ryan Reynolds is a genius. It could probably make it work. However, I think you're going to lose a lot of those gross out jokes, a lot of the cursing, a lot of the blood um, with a PG-13 Deadpool. I think people will be so up in arms about that. And a lot of people actually did think that uh, when Disney bought Marvel, bought Fox and all that stuff. So now Disney is going to release a Deadpool separate from what they were doing. And so people were like, is Deadpool going to be PG-13? No, but allegedly as of, this podcast, they're still planning on releasing a rated R one. So that was my argument, right? Fair point. But then be countered to you with this, sir. <laughs> it's like, we can both agree another 
filmmaking genius, Mel Brooks. Yes. Would you think that, pick your favorite, Spaceballs, I don't care. It'd be a whole bunch funnier if they just started dropping some fucks and shits in there. Right. So there, there's only one fuck in Spaceballs. Only one. Right. Yeah. Out of order. It, fuck. Even in the future, nothing works. Yeah. And I put to you, it's even funnier because there's just one. And I will, and hey, I agree with you. That's why one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I love Arrested Development so much is because sure. even on the DVDs and Blu-ray versions, they still had the bleep. The bleep, <laughs> the is, the bleep I'm putting to you, the bleep is funnier than the word. Right. <laughs> and especially it fits within the world. Like, for example, if they did, and especially because Deadpool's so meta, they could do a Disney is bleeping me bit that runs through the whole movie and it would it might be funnier because like it, otherwise it's just going back to the well with Deadpool's one and two right I mean to me that could be an even funnier thing where at the end of the movie he goes and finds the the sound editor bleeping him and and kicks his ass and then says fuck and then roll credits you know? I mean, <laughs> you're laughing that would be a funny no, I mean I'm thinking about that him going to shoot you know his old Deadpool character in front of yeah it would be that like gimmick great. just repurposed into shooting the editor that's editing the film him and as we're doing I mean it would be great yeah no I, I think that would be funny However, Ryan, would the me. whole movie be good? I got good? all sorts of ideas. We can do this. <clears throat> we can right? do this, yes. Call call, call Wade. Your number's still 911. <laughs> <laughs> here, just just email. What are, we, what are we emailing here? Mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. There you go, Ryan. Reach out. We'll get in touch. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. Um, so are there, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so are there any other films that you think have suffered because of it? rated r or pg-13 uh to a pg-13 because there's been movies that have come out that are rated r but then maybe their later sequels have been pg-13 one of the ones i think about right now because you know i have a passion for like shitty movies right you know i love it it's like it, it, the you you guys will all learn this down the road too about just my passionate love for shitty movies um what kind of the opposite of your question showgirls was a great movie in my opinion and it was funny <laughs> and it had layers and all that stuff no, I, I, I agree man <laughs> it didn't get any play because of the rating at the theater and in fact a lot of people kind of panned it because it was whatever their preconception of it is right and then that kind of flavored the whole thing even most people didn't see it and but and they already prejudged it but the people that even did see it that had that kind of context in their head already I would say it kind of biased the opinion, but if you come back and look at it with fresh eyes, I'd put to you that the rating hurt it more than anything else. I think that if the rating was different, they might've actually been better right now. It would be a different movie, but. Right. And then, so Kevin, Kevin Smith, director, Kevin Smith ran into that same thing with Zach and Mary made a por- make a sure. porno. Like he was told, do not call it Zach and Mary make a porno. Because nobody's going to see it. And he was hell bent on calling it that. And they, I mean, it made no money. I appreciate, I appreciate sticking to the guns. The business people were right. I mean, but it's like, you know, what's, is it more important is the art or the business side? Because it's, you got the show and the business, right? You got to kind of have both. 
Right. But I, and I think Zach and Mir, if he, if he just called it Zach and Miri, it's a, you know, it's a romantic comedy when you come down to it. Would you rather have people not show up to it just because it's called Make a Porno? Or would you rather have it called Zach and Miri? A lot of people pay money to see it. And then, you know, like, oh, I didn't think it was going to be like this. But I, I don't know. I, but he talks about it now and he, you know, he's like, I should have called it Zach and Miri. But well, yeah, I mean, you know, you do. <laughs> Again, it's like just don't box yourself in with the thing. My point is, if you called it Zach and Miri dot dot dot, and then just like in uh, Peter Sellers' movie, what am I thinking of? Uh, how how I Lolita, Doctor Strangelove, Doctor Strangelove, right? So it's like Zach and Miri, like Doctor Strangelove, and then in parenthetical below, it's like make an explicit se- sex tape that some would call pornographic. You know, <laughs> it, it, I mean, you could make it into a joke or something, right? Right, right. So uh, there, there are those aspects. So let, let's talk about, uh, you know, one of, you know, an icon, a cult icon, classic franchise, Die Hard, sure. Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2, Die Hard 3, yep. action movies, yep. language, blood, yep. carnage, yep. one through three. In, in, in number four, Live Free or Die Hard, which is the most modern one, uh well not the most modern one but uh no. it, it was it kind of picked up from the early 90s mid 90s and then kind of present day yeah we made a pg-13 and kind of the there was action but it was like quick cut it was there was no kind of like bloody carnage there was weird characters and you know the yippee kaye motherfucker part which john mcclain it became his catchphrase um, right when he was about to yell "motherfucker," an explosion happened. You didn't hear it, so it was. I feel like it was like a forced PG thirteen just to get more butts and seats. And I just, why did we need to do it? You're right. It was a forced thing to get more butts and seats. I can't argue with that point at all. And I would put to you though, are you really missing out on him not saying "yippee kaye, motherfucker"? I I think, quite frankly, going back to that, it's like. If you're upset that he didn't say the words, he didn't say the catchphrase, it's like, oh, get out of here with that. But some but, people like that. Some no, I know, really but it's like, I, I get it, right? I mean, because it's it's warm and fuzzy and it's it's it takes you, it's comfortable, right? Because it's familiar. But the context we were talking about just a minute ago, let me reframe it though. It, it, it's about comedy is what I was kind of focusing in on. Like there's certain, I mean, if you made the 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 Matrix like a PG thirteen, would it be the same movie? Probably not, right? You know, I but it could be. I don't even know. I mean, I'm assuming Matrix is R, right? I don't even know. No, all the all the Matrix movies are R, and let me say that the R rating for Matrix is one of the highest rated R movies box office wise, which doesn't mean anything. I mean, it just means that we get to have more of them, but that was one of the highest ones. So. There, there's that. But then sure. one of one of the highest grossing rated R movies, uh, well, probably in the top five, at least the top ten, is The Passion of the Christ. Now, is The Passion of the Christ rated PG-13? Would it still have the same effect? Would people still get all up in arms about it? Probably I don't not. know. Probably not, right? Because I think part of it was the shock value, but that gets back to my point about that's what the, the goal was, was to be shocking, right? And I think that some people lean on that as a crutch in general. I mean, my, my whole point in all this, because I can't argue with anything you're saying right here, right? My whole point, though, is just 
sometimes creating constraints or limitations on it for a writer or for whomever, it gives you, it, 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 it can either hurt the movie or it can create an opportunity to be more clever. And I think that the folks that take, seize that opportunity to be more clever, you could get to a better result. But if that's, if you only have, if you're a one trick pony and dropping F-bombs is it, then yeah, it's probably going to be a worse movie for it. So, and we don't want that. Right, right, right. And, you know, just another couple examples, you know, um, the Expendables franchise, all the elderly action heroes from the 70s and 80s have come back. Expendables 1, Expendables 2, rated R. Expendables 3, PG-13, didn't do well. Expendables 4 has been announced. It's And they have announced it's going to be rated R again because so many people were upset with Part 3 being PG-13 because it the didn't... The world's been starved to get... You're finished the Expendables. The story's incomplete. We need more Expendables stuff. <laughs> what happens with all my favorite characters? Well, you're going to find out now. What what happened? What, what happened? <laughs> what, what happened? So I think this PG-13 and versus rated R thing, uh, when, when it comes to, you know, something like, you know, let, let's, you know, let's keep it in the same wheelhouse as Eddie Murphy. Sure. Beverly Hills Cop. They made a Beverly Hills Cop TV show. They're making a Beverly Hills Cop 4. Um, part 1 and 2, great movies, but very rated R. Part 3 is not great, but still rated R. But these characters with Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy being a stand-up comedian, you know, he used the the vulgarity to, his, uh, to enhance his comedy. I think he's funny without it. Um, but he's also really fucking funny with it. Right. So, yep. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, if he's doing coming to America, if he's going to do the next Beverly Hills cop and it's going to be PG 13, I mean, it might could work. I mean, rush hour one, two, and three say what you will about them are super damn funny. And they're PG 13. Right. Does it well, work? Like the Beverly Hills cop. It's, it's again, a fish out of water story. The reverse of what we were talking about where Eddie Murphy's cursing, was to highlight how different he was from high society in Beverly Hills. Right. right. It was, right. it was when he'd come in and say, what's this shit? You know, what the fuck? Are, you know, it, it would be a stark contrast to the uptight white people in Beverly Hills. And that was part of the joke. And so that's what made it funny to a certain extent. I'm just getting that, that look, the, the one thing's clear from this discussion we've had here is that I'm 100% right and I win. So let's chalk it up on the board. We get one way, one way win. Ding. Is that how that works? I mean, is that true? I mean, I say yes. let the audience decide, the listeners decide who won this argument. Audience, if you vote for Brian, just do me a favor right now. Are people, if unsubscribe, I don't even know what the word is. It's like, because I don't care if you subscribe or not, but just stop following. It's like, if you agree with Brian, just. <laughs> so i win oh hey what i mean i feel like i just saw uh, is your is your beard and mustache pg-13 what's happening <laughs> i mean oh my goodness it goes away and it comes back what, what's happening because those of you listening you can't see us but i can see wade and he has this disappearing, <laughs> reappearing mustache that's trying to go full on R, but it's keeping PG-13. What is happening here? 
So. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. It's been a pleasure. I found some fun Zoom filters. It's like, I, I wanted to do the, I'm not a cat guy, because that's the lo- latest meme. But um, yeah, no, I had to kind of flush out the goatee <laughs> kind of thing a little bit and found a little digital assistance to make me beautiful. <laughs> I wish I could figure out, you know, what, what do they call those beautification filters on your phone? Let's get some of those going. He, gorgeous. He, he was trying to get beautified and he just overdid it. So he had to add one more. I mean, I set all the filters to 100. Is that a bad idea? <laughs> He's translucent now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let me turn this into a ghost movie. I just figured that out. I mean, it looks great, but then now I look at it and you're like, man, you just got a fucking oval of hair on your face that kind of moves with you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're welcome. You're you're welcome. So that was kind of our big topic um, of the of the do 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 post or comment or Twitter. I don't know. Tweet at Brian that he stinks or you know whatever. Just. We got it. We got to know. Well, how does everybody feel about this whole thing? You got you got websites too. You need to tell them where they can tell you how wrong you are. Yeah, find boomstickcomics.com, highdefdigest.com. Find me on Instagram, YouTube. You know, Brian Kluger. Just search me, and you'll find me. And when you think I'm right, just go ahead and send it to the same person telling them that I'm right. Either tell him, email him, telling him he's wrong, or tweet at him, telling them that I'm right. Either way is good with me. Yeah, and we'll read them on next episode. <laughs> oh, God. Wade is clown shoes. <laughs> but yeah, that was our big issue this uh, this week. Um, we're 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 putting the sin back into cinema with this podcast. <laughs> Too legitimate. Uh, let's move on. It's Valentine's Day. You know, we got the boxes of chocolates, we got the flowers, we got the apricot Toblerone cocktails flowing. The yeah, love is romance. The, the love and romance and smooches are happening. But you know, since we could go through all the normal Valentine's type movies, all the romantic comedies, you can hear that on No BS with Brian and Susan. Uh, but we want to talk about more of the unorthodox Valentine's movies. We, cause we, cause we watch a lot of these crazy movies that nobody else's watches and there's a lot of love and romance in these movies. So, oh. right. It, it's definitely about something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about something. I, I mean, I mean, what is love, but just very, very extreme passion, right? It just so happens that pure love is when that passion is reciprocated. But sometimes you can have one-way love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. (laughs) Um, So unorthodox Valentine's movies. We want to suggest some uh, to watch this Valentine's season. So, Wade, do you have an unorthodox, an odd, a way-out, weird romantic movie i mean it depends on how you define romance i'm going to stick with my definition a minute ago of it's about people with passion and real care it just may not be reciprocated and you know i mean because i have my you know like forgetting sarah marshall is one of my go-tos all the time i love that movie so much for a lot of different reasons but that's but a romantic comedy, though, right? That would fall right comedy. into that's that. That's not yeah. what we're talking about here. You can go hear that on No BS. What All I'm right. talking about is, I think, I actually think that Audition is a little bit of a romantic movie, if you kind of recontextualize it. So, 
Audition. My God, I'm glad you mentioned this because this movie legitimately, too legitimately, first half of the movie is a romantic comedy. Yeah. It's about a casting director, casting director, casting for his, his production. Girl comes in, they fall in love, they start to date and like each other. And then, you know, like on a fucking dime, it's, it gets very passionate. I mean, you would you would literally hear like tires screeching at some point, or the records. You know how the record scratch is the old TV trope that where everything's changed. This movie has a silent record scratch where all of a sudden it's just this is going in a different direction. So Japanese movie directed by Takashi Miike, one of the all-time great directors, right? He's, he's great. He loves um, he loves to he's a provocateur of sorts. He is a provocateur. He's a, I, I, I had the pleasure to talk with him for about an hour. You can find that on YouTube. Um, it's he, he's, he's amazing. But yeah, this movie artist. is a is a romantic comedy that goes to a very super dark place. Yeah, where the, the romance what kind of matures mutual, but then it becomes very one sided at one point and just because one person wants out doesn't mean that that romance is over necessarily so is this something you'll be watching this valentine season i think that my significant other would probably find this very disturbing if i suggested this movie but i may have to just to i don't it depends on how much of a provocateur that i want to be in our relationship right but yeah if i'm if i'm trying to go hunting for affection and smooches I, I don't know if this is the movie to pick but if but it's 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 a it's a very offbeat this is something that no one else is going. No, there's not going to be any other podcast that's going to be talking about audition and romantic movies that's true only on too legitimate <laughs> what about you so do you have any sort of uh, yes i do yes. actually um, I have a, I have a couple. Um, I'm trying to think of what I should start out with, but I'll start out with um, uh, an '80s movie. Um, it's a remake of an older movie, but I think this '80s movie is the the ultimate one. But it uh, stars Gina Davis and uh, Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very romantic, comedic movie about a dude turning himself into a fly accidentally. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I'm with you, right? Okay, so he, it, it, it is, it is, it is it's, I, I would put it in the romantic category like I would mask, where it's like, yeah, I guess there's love involved. With, okay, let's fly. Let's talk about fly. I, I want to hear it. So I think in this movie, you have like a brilliant scientist who's trying to develop teleportation. Like he wants to be the first person to uh, successfully be able to teleport. And he's doing it with monkeys or chimpanzees. He meets this wonderful woman uh, named Gina Davis. Well, played by Gina Davis. Davis. Not named Gina, but played by (laughs) Gina Davis. Uh, The lovely Gina Davis. She's great. Yeah, part of Mensa. She's beautiful. She's great. She's smart as shit. Treasure. She's a national treasure. She's a national treasure. So, and the scientist played by Jeff Goldblum, they fall in love. They have a romantic uh, portion of it and you know, there's a co- comedy aspect to their love there's a comedy aspect to like kind of what he's doing because it's so far out there and then you know 
once he needs to successfully do this, he has to put himself in there and like, I'm going to put myself in there. I'm going to be the first human to do it. And he does. However, before he closes the door to the, um, to the pod, a fly gets in there, just a normal house fly. And he successfully transports himself. Uh, and, but when the DNA is recombined, yes, kind of mixes the fly and, Yes, and he starts to turn into a fly. On paper, that's fucking funny, man. (laughs) And I mean, there's definitely some horrific elements that they kind of put in that movie a little bit. But yeah, conceptually, I get where you're going. Yeah, so... Just for folks that haven't seen this movie, I wouldn't label it a comedy like in the traditional sense. If that's You you don't want to go in with a comedy mindset if you're watching this, I don't think. Right, but there's a romance, and then it becomes (laughs) one-sided. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Very one-sided. So I think that's a, that's one of mine. Do you have, do you have any others? I mean, there's, I mean, there's tons of just like obsession type movies, right? With the, I, I, I we could go on and on. I mean, you know, I, 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 cause it's like, it's weird when you say like kind of unusual, like, like sliver is that kind of, you know? Well, yeah, there, there is sliver. I mean, so, so one of mine that I think of that doesn't have the one sidedness to it really. Yeah. Jexy or her. That's a great, you know, yeah. odd romantic comedy movie sure. uh, with Jexy and her being a person that falls in love with their, an AI, like their yeah. phone basically. So I, I get that. It's like somebody falling in love with Siri, you know, um, but Siri is like this whole other um, entity. But one that I thought of that, you know, kind of out of the box, that is a pretty, pretty good romantic comedy, I think. And it's a, it's about a relationship that's failing and you're trying to get back is Shaun of the Dead. Um, okay, yeah. I think that, I mean, there's not really one sided. I think both of them want it to succeed. And then you have this backdrop backdrop of zombies and Sean's, you know, full motive is just to save his girlfriend and keep her safe. And then other people come along for the ride. Well, I, I don't think uh, I, that's a great point. And actually it is a great romantic movie when you think about it, but I'll go one step further. His, his whole journey didn't start out with him wanting to save his girl. Right, he was just out much more self-interested and selfish, and it was his character arc in which he kind of became selfless because she wanted to kind of be more coupley and kind of evolve the relationship, and he was, you know, arrested development man-child sort of guy, and then through the zombie apocalypse, came to find that you know embrace the love. So I mean, in the purest sense, I agree with you. It's pretty much a romantic sort of movie. Yes, and that's I, one that I would show my lady. That was one of the one you would show. So I have to bring it up again. One of mine that um, I kind of brought up just in romantic comedies, but it might, it might be an odd romantic comedy that I brought up on No BS with Brian and Susan for the Valentine's special is uh, Bride of Chucky. Do you think this is a romantic comedy movie? Because it really is about the relationship of Chucky and Tiffany. No. No, I don't, and I won't stand for it. It's like that's the. <laughs> I don't so, understand. So this, <laughs> I don't understand I, look, the mention, I don't and want I won't this respond to, be to it. All the nonsense, because like I'm telling you, I'm going to yell at you on some of the other ones, and you're going to bring the nonsense that's not good enough on the other podcast into this. Just, <laughs> you know, okay, give me, give me your pitch. Brian and Chucky is a romantic movie. Jennifer romantic Tilly, comedy. Let's let's hear it. So. 
Chucky one through three, a loner, a serial killer, whatever. He's in the. He's, he's, he's a misunderstood soul, isn't he? Part four. They really went comedic with it, but Chucky is still. I mean, he, his face is all tattered, but there is somebody in the real world, a human named Tiffany, who is in love with Chucky. So she performs this witchcraft, satanic seance and turns herself into a doll. Um, And then the two actually fall in love. They're baking cookies for each other. They have sex. They have a kid. They're fighting like an old married couple. Like it's a legitimate romance with the Chucky killing people aspect to it in the background. But it's him falling in love in his own Chuckiness sort of way with Tiffany. (laughs) And Tiffany's trying to get him to start like a family life on their killing spree, but their own sadistic romance, I think. Kind of almost kind of like, you know, um, I I think another one that you could put with Bride of Chucky is Natural Born Killers. I was about to say, what you just said to me goddamn bride of chucky is just a ripoff of natural born killers <laughs> it, it is <laughs> right so, well now that you've that. said it i can't it can't be unsaid <laughs> and so we we got you now bride of chucky we see who you are <laughs> it, but my point is then watch natural born killers why are you watching bride of chucky what are you talking about because people like puppets who likes puppets people like dolls <laughs> all right for you doll lovers you want to see some doll sex i don't see We're... a sequel to natural born killers but i do see eight um sequels to chucky it will never end chucky will never end to be clear because it's like <laughs> it, it doesn't have to it could just keep going and then you could just watch more you know gratuitous doll sex in... so would you say natural born killers in a sense, is a romantic comedy because there are funny aspects to it. I'll, you know, I'll bite some truly horrific, terrifying scenes of carnage, but I think there is a satire comedy to it too. I, I can't argue that point, but if I'm going to go w- watch something in that flavor that I want to label as that, I would go watch True Romance. Right? Okay, so you a, another Tarantino Tino penned screenplay basically yeah although he doesn't claim any natural board killers credit anymore right right correct he he was like yeah i don't want to be involved with that piece but but with true romance i mean i think that it's it's got a much more romantic core to it because him in alabama that is the the real driver there and and no i i you know i never it's one of those that's probably where i should have started now that we're kind of ending there where it's like i think that that's a great example of a what i would call an untraditional romantic movie i mean it's true romance so it says it in the title right that that's the intention of what it is but when you watch it i think it's throwing you for a curve but now that you know a tarantino movie has that curve in it to begin with it may be the swerve back to okay this is a romantic movie right and uh i think i I think true romance is a great film and i think that could be in a romantic comedy aspect you know the odd one the offbeat one i think that that's going to be my pick now right if you're going to throw it out if, if somebody wants to watch the wade pick for the non-traditional romantic movie this in this season of love check out true romance i like so, it 
So I'm going to throw one more out at you and you see. I've already picked. Pick. That's it. Well, well, I'm going to change my mind. I'm, I might change your mind. Let's hear it. I'm excited. So this might fall into, I don't think it falls into a normal romantic comedy, but I'm going to throw it out there because I think it's okay. very offbeat. Um, Wes Anderson's Rushmore. You know, you know how a Wayne, my, my relationship with Wes Anderson is in general, right? Right. So if you go now through here, all like, we, we, We'll get into that, I'm sure, at a later... Podcast. Right, we'll do a Wes Anderson podcast. But I got to throw in, out of all of his movies, there's romantic elements to it, but not... Let, let, let's hear like, the Rushmore pitch. Like Rushmore. So Rushmore, you know, it's a high school movie. And it's about this kid who falls in love with an older teacher. She, I mean, and of course, that's not going to work out. But she falls in love with somebody else that kind of is his friend and then is not his friend. And then it becomes his friend. It's kind of like a whole kind of trifecta of accepting love and where you're at in life. I think with romance and uh, because I think Max and his teacher would have worked out if the age thing wasn't there, but I think there's a romantic comedy element to it because the you don't whole think she was humoring him i mean that you you think that there was a real sort of oh I, I, I absolutely that, i I, th- I think that there i mean i think there is definitely a connection there but i mean it never got further back like he, he's my student i can't not do this because i mean she was she was very sane but you know teaming up with bill murray and then them having their uh relationship which caused max and bill murray to have a the tiff. Right, yeah. yeah but i think in the end everybody accepted it i know i i think that's a great romantic comedy and very offbeat one and i think perfect for wes anderson again you know i, I i'm not clear if she really reciprocated in that way or would have been reciprocal in that way or if it was just humoring him and didn't want to hurt his little heart sort of thing but you know, when you were bringing up all that, it's like, it got me thinking like election, right? Where it's like, to me, again, kind of a reverse similar flavor to where you're at um, with the Tracy Flick and the whole thing, Matthew Broderick sort of. Right. But, 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 you know, I like the Rushmore pick it more. You, you sold it more than I thought. I don't think you swung me off of true romance, true romance, but it's a, t- it's a, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, like it's a, Okay, it's, good. it's my number. It's probably my number two now. Okay, I'm good. I'm glad I, I. I'm glad I went. We went there, especially with the Wes Anderson. That's a big compliment. Right? right, right. I think it's his romantic comedy. I mean, I really do. You, more than more than the one about the camp and the whole thing. Oh, so Moonrise Kingdom. I so I mentioned Moonrise Kingdom on my no BS because I think that's okay. like an actual romantic comedy yeah. with yeah. younger people. Okay. So more straightforward um, yes. that because I think Moonrise Kingdom is genius, and I think that would fall in line with. I mean, more offbeat would be Rushmore. I think. <laughs> All right. So there cool. you go. Yeah, no, but I, I I think that was a great I, I think that was a great pick though. It's, it's like one of those where I wasn't expecting to get swung around on some Wes Anderson discussion, but yeah, yeah, I can see where you're going. With. Yeah, but for but sure. if if you're only going to pick one, let's 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 go with true romance. That's the way to call. <laughs> let's go with true romance. Let's go with Bride of Chucky. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's what everybody needs to do. That's your homework: is go watch Bride of Chucky and go watch True Romance, and then you come back and you tell us which one of us is an asshole. 
<laughs> Go watch Audition, then tell us. All right, so moving on to our last little segment. It's called Classic Rewind. Um, this is kind of where like we... Sound drop. Rewind? Yeah. Rewind? Week a week? This is where we're going to pick a very obscure, way out weird movie to suggest that you watch. Um, so Wade and I, since we met each other, really been steeped uh, like face first into really weird movies. Yep. So Wade, your classic rewind. What I'm actually, you got? I'm actually not picking a movie here. I'm picking a really short series as something that I think a lot of folks haven't seen, but is to me is interesting and fun. And I think people should check out and give more credit to. And back in 2009, on the Sci-Fi Network, there was a short-lived series called Outer Space Astronauts. Yes! It has five episodes that are like 20 minutes long. So, I mean, you tack all those together, you got a movie, right? It's, it's, it's essentially movie-length worth of commitment. You can even go find them on YouTube, right? Starting with MeUndies, you know? But it's this funny animated series that they digitally kind of inserted inserted i don't know why i got so turned on specific there they inserted kind of actors faces onto the animated bodies and they're just and it's a and it's just a very slapsticky comedy silliness set in um set space. space and it, it's great it's a real short commitment like i said five 20 minute episodes uh you can find it on youtube go check it out i love it Tell your friends about it. It's very funny. So Wade showed me this show and we watched all of them like in one sitting. And I remember the the amazing uh, theme song to it. Yeah. I'm in outer space, bitch. <laughs> space in your face. <laughs> it, is, it is truly weird, but it's a gem though. It's a gem. It is definitely offbeat, but it, it, there's not anything that was made like it before or since, I would put to you. But the animation style is very unique and weird, too. And the writing is just very punchy and fun and silly. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It has some sophomoric humor, but it's great. Yeah. There you what go. What about you? So do you have anything interesting that you think folks I need do, to I do. Um, this one is from 1970. It was oh. on for one or two seasons. Um, however, it has just come back to light and it is being released, I think, next week on DVD and digital for the first time ever. Uh, it is called Betty White's Pet Set. And it is celebrities plus their pets and Betty White on a talk show. And that's all it is. It is... <laughs> So it's like a Tonight Show, but people bring their pets on and talk. Is that what we're saying? That is exactly what it is. And they just so what kind of celebrities went on the show? So Mary Tyler Moore, um, James Brolin, James uh, Brolin, Brolin, uh, who else? Bob Barker, and so so, they, they, yeah, yeah, they come on the show. Betty White. I mean, this is pre Golden Girls. This is in 1970. 
and she's amazing, just as amazing. And so she comes on and like each episode is about a different pet. So the first episode is um, with Lauren, not Lauren, Lauren Green. And uh, he has a German Shepherd. So the whole episode is on German Shepherd. So they talk about his German Shepherd and then they have all these people bring in different breeds of German Shepherds. They do a German Shepherd puppy one. And then they have somebody else talking about like how their show dogs and what they can do. It's fantastic. The next episode's all on poodles. <laughs> and then there's an episode on Great Danes. And so she has like, you know, sometimes she'll have uh, the like animal rescue come and talk to people about like what to do in case of a flood or a fire. This is what you do. And it's just so great. And so she surprises everybody at the end with some oh, wait, sort do you of... want to say what the surprise is you spoiler no no, no no like she has a surprise at the end where it's going to be a wild animal in the jungle like one episode she has a giant elephant on the stage and they talk about it they show clips of her at a a wildlife refuge um combing and brushing lions and tigers like it's it's amazing. It's Betty White celebrities and their pets. And it is fantastic. <laughs> it, it sounds fascinating. I mean, to me, it sounds like a TikTok meme today that came to life and then they just put it on the air. The fact that this aired 50 years ago is blowing my mind. No, it did. And I am shocked that this has never been recreated. Like, I want somebody like Betty White hosting this show because celebrities love their pets bring them on and have like a, a cavalcade of animals and you can talk about how the right way you know to train them like affectionate training which is what betty white talks about you know sure affectionate training and it's amazing and so wholesome and betty white's hilarious as she improvs and loves these animals <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Where where do you get that? Is it the, So I think you can the, buy it on Amazon right now and it's going to be available digitally to buy um on, you know, Vudu and Amazon. We're, we're, and so all yeah, of just so you know, we're not sponsored by Amazon either, but we're willing to discuss it. Wink. Wink. Yeah, they like couldn't they couldn't where, see you wink. <laughs> we got like multi, no, yeah. It's a visual medium is how I'm working. That, that wink was for you, not for them on the, the Oh, perfect, perfect. So yeah, Be- Betty's white, Betty White's pet set and uh, outer outer space. What is it called? Outer space astronauts. Yes, you can outer just find space. it on YouTube. I mean, they just give it away. You can just go and enjoy it. You can probably find it on the Sci-Fi app or something. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, support that too, whatever. But you know, you can just go find it on YouTube. It's awesome. It is good. So that wraps up our um first episode however i think we have like a little bonus thing for our first episode right well i mean we can if you want i mean you want to tie a little bow on it and wrap it up now but if you want to get into it for a second i've always been curious you know because you i would say master interviewer interview of the stars the hollywood elite a lot of amazing folks have come through and you and your in, in your special kind of branded way do a great job of putting them over the top and making them the superstars but i've always been curious we don't hear enough about you in those interviews and one of the things i wanted to do was find out a little bit more about brian here in this kind of discussion and and learn a little something about you so my one question for you right now is as we're talking about the whole um 
kind of season of love, if you will, that we're in the whole thing. You, I think, I think it's fair to say that you would consider yourself to be a romantic guy, right? Yes, yes. I like the old school romance. I like doing stuff like that. Where, where do you, where do you think that kind of came from? Like, where, where do you think that it's like? Because you know, you got a lot of kind of passions and love, and you love to share all those passions. Like, did that start as a young age? Did you kind of develop into that as you became more of a storyteller over time? Um, I think when, how I developed that, I think is just watching my parents. My parents have been married for 46 years and they, if anybody who's met my parents, uh, know that I kind of get my sense of humor from them. They're kind of like childlike because they act kind of like, you know, older children in the sense, like they always are looking to have fun. They never take anything too seriously. Um, I mean, they do, but I think they, they have a good time and they have fun and that love connection I've always been around and seen. So I think, and I've, you know, growing up, seen my mother go out of her way, do things for my father, my father going out of way, doing things for my mother for just, not just for holidays, but any time of the week, you know? And I think sure. that just was ingrained in me and is like, this is how you need to treat people. Uh, and, you know, along with the movies and music, kind of seeing like, oh, I kind of like doing something like going out big, but maybe doing something small, but in a big pack or uh, something big in a small package, something like that. It means something. So I always kind of like doing that. For sure. Um, I mean, I've known Brian for over 20 years and I can say for all those folks that are kind of listening in, he is that warm. He is that genuine and that passionate. And and it's not this, it seems like it should be an act because he seems like a Muppet come to life sometimes, but it's all real. (laughs) It's, it's, it's it's the most maddening and wonderful thing about being a friend of of Brian. And it's one of my favorite things about that. But the moral of the story that I heard just now is to the extent that any of your annoying nonsense bothers people, your thing is, well, blame my parents, which is really a stand-up guy way of approaching it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> blame them, not me. That's but awesome, yeah. man. I think that over time, I hope we can kind of dig in because I got all sorts of little things that I, 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 I'm curious about, want to learn more about over time. But I really appreciate you kind of sharing that little bit. No, of course. Of course. Uh, I'm an open book. Are you? <laughs> are you? We're going to peel those pages up. They're sticking closed right now for... I don't want to say why, but we're going to. I'm sprawled out. I'm, oh, I'm open, fully open. Yeah, we'll see. But yes, <laughs> this is Too Legitimate, the newest podcast on the Multimedia Men Podcast Network. We're on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Play, Google Play. Uh, we are on uh, Stitcher Radio. We're everywhere. If you look up uh, our show, Too Legitimate, you'll find it. Um, I'm Brian Kluger. Uh, Boomstick Comics, High Def Digest, Screen Rant, YouTube, Instagram. Just type in Brian Kluger, you'll find me. And of course, there is Wade, sweet, lovable, mustachy, virtual Wade. Where can they find you, buddy? I know you're on them internets, right? No, no. This is my first time on the internet, actually. I just got the digital mustache and I'm getting a lot of shit about it. So I think that I might have to kind of back off on that some. So, but no, yeah, if you just, just you're you're into all the internet stuff i'm the old fogey of the group so you just go ahead and go find i got some articles out on boomstick right you can go check out some of those old yeah 
Wade has been uh, writing reviews and features on Boomstick for a while now. You can find his Diamond in the Rough sections. You can find uh, you can find his reviews from film festivals on there. It, it's quite fun, quite good. This is a lot of fun for me. I hope we can do it again soon. We sure will. We'll be back with episode two, of course. Same bad time. Sa- same bad great. time. Same unpreparedness. <laughs> we'll never prepare. Never. That, I promise you. Yeah, like the Lion King song, be prepared. That's not us. <laughs> no, no, this will be the most unprofessional shit you've ever heard. And on that note, goodbye, folks. <laughs>